dinosaurs. Hey, you like Pez? It looks like that has Heaney from the boundary line. He's an expert at these. Hello and welcome to Behind the Boundary Podcast. I'm your host Pez, I'm here with Sauce and you're here for the On The Full Pod where we talk about all the news from round one and we have our new segment end to end where we preview all the games for round two and pick a line as well. Welcome Sauce. Thanks Pez. What a round one it was. Uh, not only did it have some exciting games, some really exciting finishes, some big comebacks, some big blowouts, um, some teams overachieving from what uh, all the experts, and I use the inverted commas there, <laughs> had predicted uh, for, for their season 2021. We, well, most of the action though has been off the field this week and lots of things have come up in scrutiny this week, uh, like all round ones, but for, for memory this has been one that... Uh, it's very memorable and it's it's a lot of things have been questioned and I think the, the quick start and the quick rule changes and the clarification of rules really, really brought it uh, ahead. So excuse the pun there, oh, Pez. Mate, uh, a hell of a lot of things have come up uh, from round one and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it in our next segment. But uh, if you haven't already, follow us at Behind the Bound on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and listen to our round recap show, which we posted out on Monday night where we do everything uh, in depth. So this is our segment for today, Source. Here we go. One of our favourites here at Behind the Bound Source. Been doing it since the start. And uh, over under for the new fans or the new listeners out there, just a, just a little bit, we just give a, a fake line out there for the news stories of the week and try and uh, have a little fun and uh, see if we can uh, go against each other in, the, in these lines that we uh, make up. We definitely make up. So we take real stories, we give it an imaginary line, and we have to choose whether we think it's going to be over the imaginary line or under, obviously, as the, the name indicates. Let's get straight into things with probably the biggest story of the week, and it has taken since Saturday night uh, really to come into fruition. Very simple, this one, pairs. We've had uh, Patrick Dangerfield, who was reported and he found guilty uh, for, for three weeks, described the um, trial like a murder trial. So prob- probably not a, a great analogy that he's used there. <laughs> um, but he went in with a defence that he was trying to protect himself and he didn't know what to do, but not successful. The AFL has really come down on uh, what they're trying to do and protect uh, with the uncertainty, I guess, around head injuries and the effects after football. So my question to you, Pez... How many players in this round, and we'll stick to, to round number two because that's what we're focusing on later on in the show, over-under, players that will pull up short this round. Now, let's say that this probably happens once a game that we have one of these situations, so I'm just going to make it very simple for you, Pez. Over-under, nine and a half. So how many players will pull up short? So you're meaning they're there, they're about to have contact, and instead of actually going the bump that player's got rid of the ball, they're going to actually dodge them and, and go around yep. them or move backwards yep. or... That's not what you're taught as a footballer, is it? It, no. it looks so unnatural on the ground. Um, I've noticed a few players don't like contact and they don't like going in for the footy. Uh, but how many players are going to actually pull up short? I've heard some of the coaches this week, Source, actually come out and say we're teaching our players to, to bump first and, and tack, uh, tackle second, so, tackle first sorry, and, and bump second. And I've been thinking, I've heard that before. I've heard that nearly every year. We've had uh, yeah. uh, commentators and experts coming out and saying the bump is dead. I've heard that for the last five years as well. So um, I'm going to say who's going to pull up short. I'm going to say only five. Five. So you're going under? Under. I think it's going to be over, Pez. I think it is the death of the bump. I'm going up uh, close to 18. Two a game. 
with the uncertainty of the wording of the rule and players electing to bump, they don't know what to do. They can't jeopardise their games, even though if they are going to be the sub, they can get a game gifted to them. They, they're worrying about their careers. They're worrying about the longevity of their career. And it, it really affects um, you getting a regular run into to a side if you, you're continually known as a player who chooses to bump. You look at uh, Long from St Kilda, who every time he gets up anywhere near it, he gets, it gets, uh, gets rubbed weeks, out. Yeah. It's just players need to adjust. And unfortunately, as much as I love the bump, and I love watching uh, Byron Pickett um, highlights the big bumps, <laughs> mate. Um, I, I think it's an adjustment of football, and whether it's better for the game in terms of the uh, longevity after, and you know the the long, I guess for the career after football and the effects of that, I think it's just really going to to make the game a little bit less three sixty contact and one of the most brutal sports that we have uh, in the world. Yeah, I, I think uh, the AFL are doing this to protect themselves later on from lawsuits and things yep. like that. Um, and you've got to protect the head first, you do. And Dangerfield's uh, contact was rated as severe, even though it was a head clash. So that's the thing. If you choose to bump, um, you're risking going out for your side and he's going to miss the three weeks and there's nothing uh, anyone can do about that now. Uh, but I've gone under. You've gone over for the first one, Sauce. Uh, We're always very good. Ed there. <laughs> always at Ed with a lot of things. I don't, don't agree on much, so I don't know why we do a podcast together. Um, but <laughs> we'll go into the next big story of the week. Now, Brody Grundy has been an amazing ruckman for Collingwood. He emerged a few years back, got a big $7 million seven-year deal, and Collingwood fans were ecstatic. We've got the best ruckman in the competition. He was competing with Max Gorn. He was doing all these things. So before I give you my over-under source, I'm going to give you a little bit of background. In 2018, Brody Grundy polled 17 Brownlow votes. In 2019, he polled 23 Brownlow votes as a ruckman Ridiculous and a finished ruckman. equal sixth in the Brownlow. In 2020... He had a down year, only polled six votes. So my over-under, after Brody Grundy's uh, rough start, should we say, against the Bulldogs and getting uh, uh, Stefan Martin being able to compete with him in the last three times he's played the Bulldogs, he actually got best on ground three times against Tim English. <laughs> so my over-under is how many Brownlow votes is Brody Grundy going to receive in 2021? When we go to the Brownlow count, whatever he gets, the over-under that I'm going to give you is nine and a half. So that means he needs three best on grounds to get nine, and then he needs to poll in another another one as well. So you've got to think of, you know, are Collingwood, how many other games are they going to win? How many games is he going to dominate as a Ruckman, or is he past it? 2019, they got he got how many votes? 23. And then 2020? Six. <laughs> That's such a big drop-off. Um, well, you look at back in 2019 when he was averaging over, you know, 30, 40 hit-outs a game, as well as over, well over 20 disposals a game. 2020, he only hit over 20 twice, and that obviously had six votes. Uh, the decline, I can't see him, you know, working out how to get the pill. He's going to be playing more of a, an intercept uh, intercept sort of role right at the back. I'm going well under. Um, we talked about the death of the bump, mate. Ruckman getting votes. That that was a really short-lived history. It was a one-year thing. Not happening ever again. Um, whilst he's talented, I think clubs have worked out how to stop him and you know, being a bit more prepared for him to actually follow up his own football. They prepared for it. They planned for it. Very evident in 2019, especially with that depleted midfield in there in Collingwood. You know, we spoke about the exit of a, a lot of those players uh, earlier in the in the week. I think for me, well under, I'm going uh, maybe three. He might have one best on ground. Oh, so I could have gone real low. I could have gone five and a half and you would have, I still you would have, would have gone under. under. Yeah, I'm actually in agreements with you. I'm going under here. Hey, because, you're in agreements. Mate, I don't think Collingwood... As you, as you saw from our letter prediction shows, I don't think they're going to finish that high source. So no. um, struggled against the Bulldogs. They only lost by 16 in the end, but, you know, um, got dominated. Their back line can stand up, but I just don't see where their goals can consistently come from. 
and that midfield's just slowing down with the with the loss of people. So I don't think uh, they're going to even win enough games for Brody Grundy to to pole best on ground in say three or four games and and get over that nine and a half. So Grundy's mega deal was it worth it? You know, at the time everyone was wrapped with it, and now everyone's going, oh, what are we doing here? So it, it's up to the club because the club took the risk on him. They did his, did his seven year deal, and he's getting his money. But is it going to be uh, not worth it in the end because they didn't get anything out of it really? No, most definitely right. They didn't get uh, um, anything for it. And, and just a question without notice, Pez, not a question, a prediction. The thing that we're going to be talking about next week is not Grundy. It's going to be exactly what you mentioned there about Collingwood's forward line because they are going to get pantsed by Carlton uh, tomorrow night. Oh, early, and they're not gonna, we, the question is going to be, not with Grundy, it's going to be where are their goals coming from because we're going to see uh, you know a big... Uh, a big score, I think, tomorrow night, and they're not going to be able to compete. Anyway, let's get on to uh, one of the sadder stories from round one, and, and, and unfortunately a continuation from 2020. We had one of the, the young hopefuls, an absolute superstar in the making. Well, maybe. This is where the question is, Pez. Matt Rao went down with a, a terrible injury. Um, everyone sort of were, was really upset, and you could see the, the you know through Twitter so many multis got done because they had him for 20 disposals <laughs> there. Um, I had him for my uh, personal for a sneaky goal, but not to be. Um, number one picks generally get uh, a lot, a lot of games. They have a longevity in the uh, in AFL. They sort of move around the clubs. They, they, they well and truly get over three or four years in football. We don't really have a comparison in AFL, but if you compare it to sort of NBA players, you know, look at uh, some of those careers that were cut short through injuries. You know, Greg Oden comes to mind. You look at Yao Ming who comes to mind. He had a, a bit of a longer one, but yeah. those players, those number one picks that get brought down from injury. My question to you is, Pez, how many games are we going to be seeing from Matt Rowe? And I think a really, really, uh, I think after the first three games that he he played last year and he was on nine votes, <laughs> you probably tout him as probably being a 300-game player. Yeah, easy. He's played, what, six games? And, well, he's played, I guess realistically he's played four games because two games of those he didn't actually... In the first quarter. He didn't actually, um, yeah, finish out. You look at his junior career... Uh, and look at when he was playing with the uh, Oakley Chargers. They run a, an 18-game season, and his games were, were not, not the, that uh, much chop either. So he seems like he carries a bit of injuries through that as well. He had four games in his first year, 11 yeah. in his next, seven in his next. So I guess I'm just going to go straight out, Pez. We'll just put him as a, he's an elite footballer. He's someone that we had you know touted as a future Brownlow medalist. I'll make it easy for you. Over, under, 100 games. Oh, I knew the 100 was coming out. You know, it will be... Devastating to football if Matty Rao does not play 100 games and we don't see him running around there. I'd really love to see him get up to 200 games. I know he's going to miss, what, up to 12 weeks here, so it's most of this season. He missed most of last season. Um, but he's he's got the heart. We've seen him on the Amazon Prime documentary. He, he works hard and he's going to continue to do that. And we just need to hope that his body can hold up because AFL fans will be missing out on an absolute beauty. And what we love to see in our game is absolute superstars. And Matty Rao can be one but he just needs his body to hold up. So I'm going to say over 100 by a shitload. Over 100 by a shitload. I mean, he's 19-year-old. He's had a, a pretty devastating um, season-ending career. It's just hope, season, mate. It's just season hope. Season-ending with the shoulder. And now his leg's playing up. He's got the, the PLC and it. You know, it's only a minor tear to the, the crucial ligament down there, but still, that's uh, your shoulders, which are really important carrying a football team like the Gold Coast Suns, your legs. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the, oh, no. the bearer of bad news. I think that he actually will play under. I think unfortunately, looking at some of his injuries going, you know, from the past and what Gold Coast need him to be, 
I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna fall short. I think he's just gonna fall short. I think he's been one of those players. Probably gets to about eighty or ninety games. Play for a long, a long time oh, no, in the you're system. Ups- upsetting me already. I am upsetting him, but I, that's not. Maybe I'm just playing devil's advocate for the podcast, bit, <laughs> but. I think the positive signs for Gold Coast supporters and AFL lovers is that, you know, Stuart Juice came out and said he'd never met a person that loves football as much as him. And he's been around a fair few football clubs. He's been around football. That's the promising sign. He's he's a professional athlete. He already came in with a really big body anyway. Looks like he works hard. You can see him on the sidelines with his notebook. Showed some positive signs in getting out there on the huddle three-quarter time, hobbling out there on the crutches. So I'm going to go under to play devil's, devil's advocate. But... I really, really hope I'm wrong, and I hope that it goes way over. Um, and I hope that we you're talking about this next year about a, a third-year player winning a Brownlow after six games of, yeah. of a career because he's an absolute superstar, and you don't want to see uh, anyone get injured and their career cut short. But best of luck to Matty Rao. Yeah, you don't want to see that at all, mate. But is it, it possibly they could think of a different position for him if he's going to keep getting injured in the middle? Play him off a half-back flank where there's not not a lot of not a lot of contact and things like that. Yeah, I mean, you just just tell him to. Uh, he just plays in the in the midfield and just get everyone to to bump. That's we should be fine. Oh well, if the bump's dead, maybe maybe it's a little bit oh, better so for maybe him. Maybe should have come one week earlier, so then he would have been fine. Uh, even though he got uh, <laughs> he was tackled and rolled over the top of it, but that's it, mate. Yeah. And uh, that that inclu- uh, concludes over under for this week and now our little segment to uh, show the news in a different way. Uh, we get to go into. My new favourite, definitely my new favourite source. I know we always say that, but this is definitely my new favourite um, little intro and actual segment because I love talking about the footy and I love choosing the lines, what we're doing this year. So this is End to End. Fremantle from one end to the other. Now it gets really interesting. Oh, it's a we love a good intro at the pod, Pez. We just <laughs> we love it. Uh, we're all over it, and um, that's the one thing other shows don't have that have um, maybe stolen our segments. Pez, they, they don't have great intros. They just got uh, the bow and arrow out. Got the bow and arrow, and that's about <laughs> it. Uh, Caro's what is it? Caro's arrow? Not that good. Oh, you're still in, you're still in segments <laughs> now. All right, let's start things off with the first game. Uh, the Thursday night. Jeez, I love Thursday night football because it's now Wednesday. Weekend's already, already started. The, weekend, the weekend's already started. So we've got the 7.20 uh, time slot. That's why we're recording on the Wednesday tonight, Pez. MCG, this should be an absolute cracker. I know that the government is not bringing in their uh, 75% of capacity until Friday, until Friday yeah. but Carlton and Collingwood will be absolutely kicking themselves. But it will sound like there's going to be 75,000 in there because Carlton and Collingwood supporters, they love their footy. We've got that first game going up there, Pez. What is the line for that game? Well, the line, Collingwood minus one and a half. So Collingwood started out at favourites early in the week and they've stayed it the whole time. They've stayed true. The minus 1.5, that's one of the closest lines probably between these two sides in a few years, Source. There's been a few uh, ins and outs and I find it very interesting because uh, Carlton have named Jack Martin and Zach Williams in and Zach Williams will make his debut for Carlton. Lockie O'Brien omitted. He did struggle last Thursday night in the season opener and Jack Silvani who went out as a medical sub with that injury. Collingwood bring in Callum Brown and Steele Sidebottom. Oliver Henry and Trey Rusco omitted, who were not liked on Twitter by Collingwood fans last week. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Um, but the interesting thing, the medical sub came on. Oscar McDonald last week dominated, yeah. kicked two goals, and uh, I thought he'd be a walk-up start to the 22. Not named. Named as an emergency. Is he going to be the uh, medical sub again? Bit disappointing for him. I mean, he comes on, kicks kicks a couple of goals in uh, not many uh, minutes. Anytime the ball went near him, mate, he won it. Yeah, kept kept uh, kept his team in the game a little bit when the, they sort of um, 
they looked like they were going to get blown out of the water in that third quarter. But uh, really disappointing for him. But maybe that's uh, something that he he was excited by, and he, you know maybe he wants to be the new uh, <laughs> six man of the year. There you go, Pez. There we go. Oh, six man of the year. Well, it's not twenty third. Twenty third best man. Twenty uh, third man of the year. Um, this game's really interesting. It's, uh, it's you know, touted as a big blockbuster because you've, you're seeing the rise of Carlton. I think uh, last week they were really competitive for most of that game, despite uh, Richmond's inaccuracy and them really pumping the ball inside that forward line. Um, but uh, Collingwood were also really disappointed. They got absolutely towed up in that middle through the speed and the you know the the overuse of the handballs that the Western Bulldogs do, and that we'll see lots and we'll talk lots about this year. But uh, I think Carlton um, can get the job done, and as I already said to you, Piers, and I alluded to, I think they can do it uh, pretty easily. I think the inclusions of Jack Martin and Williams coming in, he's going to be out there to prove something through that midfield. You know, that's where he wants to be. I don't know if he has the tank for it, but uh, really interested to see that inclusion. I think that they've got a strong back line for for, um, a side that really isn't going to kick too many goals um, in Collingwood. And I think that the the strength from last week from Collingwood was their back line. Darcy Moore, intercept mark, absolute king. But... Carlton have a lot of pings from outside 50. They have a lot of those smaller players and they don't really have a traditional lead-up forward that is reliable outside of Oscar... Uh, well, not Oscar Robinson, outside of McDonald. <laughs> um, so I, I'm going with Carlton at a minus... Uh, what is it? Plus one and a half. Yeah, the plus one and a half yep. there. So uh, you'll take that. Now, I'm, I'm tossing and turning on this game, Sauce. Uh, it's nearly a flip of the coin one for me with this line. Pick-ems. because <laughs> The pickums. I hate the pickums. Uh, because steel side bottom is a big in for me. Um, and Collingwood's defence is really strong. The, th- the thing that they're going to struggle with is kicking goals with Mason Cox and Brody Majacek as, as your two forwards up there. I think Jordan Dugowie needs to play out of the goal square for a majority of the game, so they've got some scoring option, but I know they want him to be in the midfield as well. Maybe with side bottom coming in, Dugowie can play up forward uh, a little bit more. Uh, you look at the bottom six play, uh, bottom six on both sides, I'd probably say uh, Carlton have the, the worse bottom six than the others if you've got Jack Noons in that 22. But Silvani did exit. Uh, Paddy Cripps is in there. Zach Williams, we get to see how he is. Look at this midfield. Cripps, Walsh, Williams. If Pitnett can compete with Grundy, with which by Grundy's form in the past two seasons, uh, he should be able to do that. So I'm actually going to back Carlton as well, Source. And uh, I'm going to go the plus one and a half. And I think they can... Uh, Get a win. Not as easy as, as you, I think. I think it'll be a tight, contested game, and they'll win by about 12 points. 12 points. All right, so we're both with Carlton. That's uh, an unusual job for us there, Pez, but it uh, makes me feel a lot more confident that uh, I've picked, <laughs> picked well by the way you make fun of my tipping. All right, we get on to the Friday night game down at the Cattery. 7.20 start to make sure all those Victorians, Melbourne supporters can get back home nice and uh, early. We've got the Geelong Cats, Brisbane Lions, both teams in real struggle of starting the season 0-2, both touted as premiership contenders. Pez, what do you see happening in this one? Yeah, one team goes 0-2. Just a, a quick note, you finish work tomorrow, you're travelling down the... Yeah, the freeway, course, I'm uh, going. going uh, well, I've got some after work drinks, and then I'm going to after the RSL. I'm going to head down to pick up Mum on the way through, and uh, go down there and get a nice little spot uh, down at the Cattery, mate. I'm in the new stand, very excited. So they've uh, excellent with the with the new seats, um, with the new ticket system. I guess you have to bid for for whatever. Mm. And I, even though I've paid for a seat, I don't get my seat, but it's actually worked out pretty good. So oh, there you go. Um, make sure you uh, take some snaps for us uh, and on Twitter uh, at Behind the Bound, Instagram, jump on. Uh, this line eight and a half. Now Geelong, they haven't had Cameron yet, but they were missing him last week because they did have one player, and I didn't do my due diligence last week because Josh Jenkins played for Geelong. 
And you know how much I dislike Josh Jenkins as an AFL footballer. And didn't he spray the ball over at Adelaide Oval at his old um, old town? And if Cameron's out again, I'm, I'm tipping that, you know, Scott's going to continue with uh, Josh Jenkins. I don't like him in the side. Uh, Dangerfield's out, so that's a big out. Is Menengola going to make it back? You'd say Menengola most likely were there. Uh, went out. He was, went out with that shoulder. And uh, probably Mitchell Duncan's not going to get up as well. They'll probably Oof. play it cautious there. So those three are big outs. But predicted um, to be to be picked, you've got Zach Tui and Jack Henry coming back into that defence. Uh, number one defence last year in the AFL. And they really struggled uh, with Tex Walker last week. So... Hopefully there's some big inclusions to deal with that uh, really uh, um, uh, vicious Brisbane forward line. Did, yeah, didn't well, fire last week, but the did, potential. Didn't fire and Sydney got, got over the top of them. So Brisbane will be fired up, I think. It's going to be very hard to win at the category. Uh, the category. The category. Yeah, very hard to win that category of the line at plus eight and a half. But Brisbane Lions, I've, I've tipped them for the top of my ladder and I'm going to have to back them here. Plus eight and a half. I'm, I'm going to see if they can get within that down at Geelong. Geelong early in the season. You know, they're good at GMHBA, but sometimes they lose that one. A couple of years ago, I remember we went down there. They lost to GWS when Callum Moore did his knee. So um, I'm back in the Lions here, Sauce. Yeah, um, I think it's a really interesting line, that one. So you're going with the minus eight, no, the plus eight and a half. Plus eight and a half. Yeah, that means that uh, we can still get the job done pretty easily. Um, and uh, you'll be a loser there, Pez, because I, I, you're right. There's two things that Geelong don't do. They don't lose back-to-back games that often. And they don't lose at the Cattery very often. And they're, they're two big factors. And I can't remember the last time Geelong would have started 0-2. Um, and, you know, they'll be extremely disappointed, um, especially losing against Adelaide. I mean, Brisbane will be upset. Obviously lost at home against an up-and-coming Sydney. But but Adelaide last year could barely put together a game. And, the thing, the, you know, the deficiencies that, that Adelaide really exploited, that run through the middle, you know, that run off that half-back line, those a couple of inclusions will really help... Uh, Sort of fix that. Uh, and I'm going Geelong minus eight and a half pairs. I think that they can get the job done, um, break it open into that last quarter. It'll be a very competitive game, and I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, two teams coming off a loss that are meant to be top four and compete for a premiership. They're coming all, all at it, and the effort will be huge in that one. Uh, head to the first game on Saturday, Source. Yeah, we head to the SCG. And uh, speaking of two teams who are up and about, um, <laughs> you know, probably predicted this to be the bottom, of the, the bottom of the ladder battle, but it's actually the top of the ladder battle with Sydney Swans taking on the Adelaide Crows. The line is 20 and a half, Pez. What's going to happen here? Oh, mate. <laughs> if, if, if whatever happened last week, these are the two games that I could not pick last week. Adelaide beating uh, Geelong by 12 points and then Sydney uh, flogging Brisbane by about 31 points. So uh, the line is out to 20 and a half, which is interesting because on Sunday night, I saw it at minus nine and a half and a few posts were going around on Twitter saying, uh, yeah, jump on. This is good value. Uh, Buddy, possibly back. Mm-hmm. Uh He's got Isaac Heaney. That forward line's looking pretty good. Uh, I know it's just one game. You've got to, you know, round one, you can't look into everything. You've got to rate the teams where you had them. I loved Adelaide's intensity and the effort. I spoke about that on our recap show. Uh, I just think that you have to go with the home side here. Uh, 20, 20 and a half's big, but I just think Sydney with the momentum and Adelaide off that win, uh, travel over, young side, it's going to be too much for them, and Sydney can win by four goals plus. So I'm going to have to go Sydney here. Yeah, one thing that we saw last week in in the games, uh, we just spoke about you know Adelaide's intensity and the really run off that back line. One thing that we saw in Sydney's game is they have the potential to score. They had four players hit over over two goals. You know, three players hit three. You know, they in the waffle they had uh, Logan McDonald. He kicked he kicked a nice little bag there as well. He might get the call up. 
and you add one of the, the modern-day greats into that side as well, they're going to get up for him. That ball is going to be coming in fast and hard, and uh, I think the Swans can get it done here. That line, though, is a big line at 20.5, and, and that's where, like, are we going to see the Adelaide from last week, the competitive, the hard, you know, the hard tackling, the the running off the back line, the, the bombing it long? I don't think Tex Walker can play those too many games, uh, too, too good games like that. In a row, and he really was the barometer for them in that first quarter. We, so we, yeah, we also saw source the the longer quarters and Adelaide in that fourth quarter. They just had to try and defend that lead. So uh, I think Sydney will will bring the heat early as well as well as Adelaide. But twenty and a half is big. I'd like it to be about sixteen and a half or that nine and a half that I saw. But I'd like it to be about uh, four and a half. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the twenty and a half and go yeah, from there. I, I might take the twenty and a half and hope that the Swans can get it done. Um, you know, playing for their home crowd. Lance Franklin return first time in a couple of years. They'll get up for the big occasion, the kids. There we go. And uh, the, the next game of the rank on the Saturday. Yep, we head over to Adelaide Oval, the 4.35. The AFL has continued to serve up back-to-back-to-back footy, and we love it here at Behind the Bounce. So Port Adelaide taking on the really disappointing Essendon. Can they bounce back from choking a 39-point oh, lead? Port, the, the bookies don't think so, Port. Uh, are the favourites at 32.5. Um, biggest line again. Biggest line again, so two weeks in a row. Is, is it just uh, is it going to be over 32 and a half pairs? I think that's the main question. Yeah, it'll be 40 plus here, I'd say. Um, Fantasia playing against his old side. Uh, Port Adelaide nearing uh, full strength. So you've got Rosie on the sidelines at I the moment. I can't believe he's a potential to come back after having a surgery. Like. Yeah, well, I don't know what's going on there. But Essendon didn't rate them. We both tipped them in the bottom four preseason source. And that was their one chance, you know, get a really good win under their belt against the poor Hawthorne side. And they just blew it. And you're going across to play Port Adelaide, who love to win the minor premiership. We've spoken about it so many times. They've flogged North Melbourne in three quarters of footy. They'll do the same to Essendon over there. I don't think Essendon supporters believe they've got a chance in this either. So Port Adelaide minus 32 and a half. I'll take that easy. Yeah, I think one thing I noticed being at the Essendon game um, is that when they, they they had a lot of opportunities to, to sort of put the game to, to, to rest really early and making easy shots. But they turn the ball over so much through the middle. And the one thing that Port Adelaide do, and we Ooh. saw this last year, if you turn the ball over against Port Adelaide, you will get scored on. Uh, and, and if you don't get scored on and they miss, they, they get the point, they lock it into that defence. They're fast. They have, bring an intensity that, you know, as you said, a regular season intensity that you normally see during finals. And I think they've just got too much of an arsenal up forward as well as quality midfielders in there to, to keep this game close. Port Adelaide, 32 and a half. That'll be done by halftime. Yeah, they love that uh, forward forward fifty stoppage or the even forward half stoppages. Uh, Port Adelaide, they've got so many players that just deliver the ball so well inside that forward fifty. And Charlie Dixon doesn't even have to, you know, be in many contests. They've got so many different targets they can go up there. The young man, um, Toddy Marshall, a show favourite. He's uh, he's looking good in round one against North, and I think he can uh, get a couple more marks inside fifty and uh, kick some goals this year. You'd love to see him uh, get a snag, Pez. It would have been really good for us last year if he didn't get injured and had three or four <laughs> opportunities. I think we had uh, him as part of our cheeky, but uh, a big game for I guess I guess Essendon to really show if um, they can be competitive and they can you know make twenty twenty one a season to remember, or like we predicted, uh, end in that bottom four because they made Hawthorne look a lot better than they were. And we're not talking about Hawthorne here. We're talking about how poor um, Essendon were in that game and how much they lost that game. Let's get into the next game of the round, Pez. Uh, a Saturday night absolute blockbuster. I'm guessing you're going in Marvel Stadium, Pez. Would I be right? Yeah, I got the tickets. Uh, very excited to go to my first game of 2021. 
And first game of uh, 2020 as well. It's like two years when in coming, mate. <laughs> two, two years in the waiting waiting zone. All right, we get into uh, obviously your Saints pairs taking on the Melbourne Demons. This line here is almost a pick 'em. It's a minus seven and a half. It's a really interesting line. Melbourne were a little bit disappointing in, a, in an impressive win, and that's sort of an oxymoron there because. It was touted as a 30-point win almost, um, but the, their skill level was very down. And uh, St Kilda, I don't like using the word gutsy, but it was a really gutsy win against the GWS Giants. Yeah, it's always gutsy in the, the weather that they played in last week. And to come away with a win with only six out of their best 22 source, not eight as, as it was reported. But um, Melbourne, they're going to... James Harms broke his wrist. Uh, during the week and uh, the scans revealed that and Jack Viney is probably going to come back into the team. Will Malksham and Hibbard come in and try and strengthen that as well. St Kilda are looking to get two players back, Max King from that uh, concussion and Zach Jones uh, in the midfield there back from that hamstring. I think the thing that uh, I, I realised most against uh, Melbourne versus Fremantle was how poor the skill level was for both those teams and during your, your gutsy win, as we said, with the, with the weather, your skill level was pretty good in the wet. Um, I can imagine if you have a, a dry ground that um, you'll be able to get this job done pretty dry, easy there. Under the roof. Under the roof. Uh, you like that one, Pez. I think that you play that ground really well. Um, I really like um, what St Kilda are doing there. I can't wait till we get Brad Crouch back in there. Um, Jack Higgins was very impressive and he will help fill some holes up forward. I just don't believe in Melbourne. I think their skill level is um, subpar, to be honest. Um, and I, I think that the Saints get this done uh, Probably seven and a half, a decent sort of line, I think. Yeah, du- double that for mine. 14 and a half plus. I, I like the Saints here uh, to win by at least three goals or more. Uh, Melbourne's strength will be uh, in the ruck with Max Gorn uh, against young Hunter uh, if he's able to keep his spot with, um, I, now, I think, now four players outside of our best 22, but it includes our best ruckman, which is Rowan Marshall and Paddy Ryder still on leave. But uh, St Kilda minus seven and a half under the roof at Marvel. Love that line against the Demons. Yeah, it's a, it's a decent sort of line, that one. Um, a little bit... I don't think it's a decent one. I think it's very low, and I think the bookies are being very kind to Melbourne's performance. Get on to the the other Saturday night game. Absolute classic, classic this one. It'll be the Gold Coast Suns, North Melbourne uh, Kangaroos up at Metricon Stadium. The line is minus 20 and a half after Gold Coast. Very impressive um, fight out. But we're not going to label that, Pez, because it's a very disappointing loss because this is where the Gold Coast Suns need to win. And for me, I'm just not going to even talk to it because we've spoken about it enough about the Gold Coast Suns. They get the job done here because they need to get it done. They need to get it done big against uh, North Melbourne. They need to consolidate it here. They've got a great opportunity, you know, to go one-on-one. And Gold Coast, uh, credit to them for having a line out at minus 20 and a half. You wouldn't have thought that a few seasons ago. But um, no Matty Rowell, as we know, but they've got so much talent across the ground. Their skill level looked uh, elite over the first three quarters. It was absolutely fantastic. And I love their forward line uh, with Max King, ranking yet to kick a goal this year. So I think he can uh, pop up for a couple Hopefully the weather holds off and they can uh, play a, a drier game so we can see the skills of these players. Uh, impressed with their defence as well. So North, uh, struggling. They're just playing, you know, to try and get some players with 30 disposals like Jaden Stevenson. And they've just got to put in effort for their fans. Their fans aren't expecting them to win. Uh, and their fans aren't expecting them to probably get within 30 points, I'd imagine. So uh, Gold Coast, easy for me. Yeah, so North Melbourne will be probably missing some of their young guns, gun, young guns uh, Curtis Taylor and Aiden Core, who didn't finish out the game in round one. And I'm doubtful that Luke McDonald will probably make it back. Um, but we probably will see Ben Cunnington after his concussion. He should be right to be playing. So that'll give some more experience into that midfield. Um, my favourite man, uh, Pez, uh, Davis Yukonaki. Am, am I getting better at it? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say it on the pod until you get it right. So I need you to watch the North game. I do watch the North game. And I need you to listen to the commentators and see if they can say it correctly. 
<laughs> uh, but he, he had 12 touches in the first quarter. So if he can get um, some of that ball movement uh, with uh, Cunnington in there and get them going, they might put up a fight, but uh, Gold Coast can't allow that. The Gold Coast Suns need to get this done uh, to, to build a, a great campaign for 2021 and make a truth of your prediction, Pez, and make those finals. All right, let's get on to the Sunday night matches. Um, absolute cracker. This one will be Hawthorne versus Richmond, the 110 time slot, an unusual time slot at the G for on a Sunday afternoon. The line is really big in this one. Richmond minus 28.5, despite Hawthorne's very, very gutsy come from behind win. Yeah, they come from behind win, but if Hawthorne were down by 40 points against Essendon, what, what are Richmond going to do to him? But I'm still nervous about this line because it's really, really big. And uh, I was leaning, I was going, oh, maybe I'll go Hawthorne plus 28 and a half. You know, Richmond will just teeter along, try and get the job done. But I, I just have to go Richmond in here, even if it's minus 28 and a half, win by five goals plus. Uh, I don't think Hawthorne have the cattle this year. Tom Mitchell, yes, he was impressive last week. Uh, they got some some players to kick some goals and, and come back from 40 down. But they were playing against Essendon, who I don't rate very highly this season. So uh, I think Richmond can, you know, run forward. They, they're going to be have players that are competing for spots. They know they've got a chance to play in a premiership this year. Uh, 110 during the day. Hopefully nice weather, hopefully nice and sunny, and Richmond just run it forward and Hawthorne, you know, kick it kick it back and Noel Bolter down there in defence, he's just going to hold up and uh, looking forward to seeing some of those small forwards uh, kick a couple of goals. Yeah, I think uh, what you, you spoke about the first part is that if Essendon can do that to Hawthorne in a half of football, what could a good football club do uh, to them in a full game of football. Last week, Richmond had 75 inside 50s and just Ooh. made an absolute mess of Carlton in that last term um, just through some inaccuracy. I think they address that. I think they get this well over 28 and a half. Um, Hawthorne aren't that impressive. Uh, Tom Mitchell, he, he looked uh, he looked actually pretty decent in that uh, come-from-behind win. Still getting, I think he had like 26 handballs or something like that and ended up with 30-something. Uh, you know, that's what he's going to do. But uh, the pressure that Richmond applied on Thursday night is something that I, you know, I probably didn't talk up enough during the preseason. I said they were going to slow down. They have no. Sh- they're showing no signs of slowing down, and uh, this is going to be a huge win for their 2021 season. Yeah, it can be very scary. Uh, a Richmond side in full flight and full effort. Yeah, we we head over to Marvel Stadium for the next one, Battle of the West, the Western Bulldogs, one of the flag favourites after not an impressive win against Collingwood, but hey, a win um, a lot better than the year before when they played Collingwood versus the West Coast Eagles uh, in their win. They were a little bit disappointing against the Gold Coast Suns. The line in this one is the Doggies' favourite at minus 11.5, an interesting line one for me, Pez. Yeah, you never would have picked that, but um, Western Bulldogs, are they, are they going to pick Jamara Hagen? I I don't think they will. No, I don't think they will. They uh, give him another week. Give him another week. Is um, Easton Wood returning from hamstring injury I, I as think well? He, I think he's coming back. So they, they strengthen themselves a little bit, and uh, West Coast, uh, we'll see how they go in with it. What I was impressed with last week was Tim Kelly running through that midfield over uh, in Western Australia. West Coast are known to, to struggle when travelling. They won the premiership in 2018 where they won a few games at the G and things like that. I can't remember the last time they played at Marvel Stadium, but it's quite smaller than the MCG and uh, Optus Oval, Optus Stadium. But West Coast forwards, I think they're just going to dominate the Western Bulldogs' defence. And if I get 11.5 for West Coast, I'm going to take that because West Coast can uh, match them in the forward line. Their defence with Barras and McGovern and those intercept marks, I think they can uh, do the job on the Bulldogs forwards because the Bulldogs, they need their midfielders to be running that ball inside 50 and having shots at goal because Josh Bruce isn't going to offer you anything up there. You don't have um, anyone that can take a grab overhead and we saw that as a weakness last week when the Bulldogs dominated the midfield. They got the ball in height of the defensive 50 and you know what West Coast love? 
They love that ball coming in high because they've got Jeremy McGovern to intercept that ball and then run the other way. Tim Kelly in the mid- middle, uh, Nick Natanui to, to dominate Stefan Martin and Tim English and that, that forward line uh, with Jack Darling, as I've mentioned, I think he's going to be their best forward this year and, and kick their most goals. So uh, West Coast with 11.5 start, I'll take them. That's really interesting, Pez, because I look at the two teams and the things that uh, West Coast really lacked last week and the things that they got beaten on was that pace through the middle and that, you know, being able to, to have that run through the middle. Gold Coast probably should have won that game if they were a little bit more experienced. They might have. I think that the Western Bulldogs midfield is going to get plenty of it. They're going to run. They're going to control the pill. I think West Coast really, really, uh, we're, we're, un- we're undershadowing how much they miss Luke Shuey and Elliot Yo through that run. It relies heavily on some of the older bodies there at West Coast to do it. They don't like playing that running game, even though when they've got those players in it, they look impressive going there. I do agree that I don't know where all the goals are going to come from for the Doggies, but I think they're going to have so much of the pill that they're just going to start to, to address those and they're going to get a little bit lucky. I think that the doggies can get it done. And I've, you know, I've got the West Coast Eagles falling out of my eight this year. <laughs> so yeah, I have to, to back myself. I've got the Western Bulldogs minus 11 and a half pairs. Uh, put that one in for money for VBs. That, that's a, one of my matches of the round to watch because I'm so interested to see who, who's right on this one. Um, it, you could go either way, but uh, the 11 and a half line for Bulldogs to be minus against that West Coast side, it's it's very strange for me. I know it's at Marvel and things like that, but watching with high interest in that one. Yeah, the, it'll be very interesting after this game, the chatter around one of these clubs, because if the Doggies go 0-2 and, and beating two, you know, finalists from last year and West Coast uh, struggled against Gold Coast and then they lose to, to the Doggies by that line, there'll be some concerns and I think that, you know, it, it's a really danger game for, for both clubs for, for different reasons. Yeah, I think West Coast can bring the effort. Um, I don't know if they can actually because they're, they're travel. That's yeah. what they struggle with. So and They made that excuse last year lots. That's the thing that they need to overcome. They need to overcome that travel and just say, you know what, we're here today, we play footy and then we're flying back home. Uh, we, we just need to get this job done if we want to compete. We've got a, we've got a list that can do it. People like Source have predicted them to drop down. Uh, are they just going to let that happen? Yeah, uh, really interesting, that one. I can't wait to see that on that Sunday afternoon when I'm snuggled up on the, uh, the couch, feeling a little bit worse for wear from the uh, Saturday night activities. But let's get on to, uh, let's get over to our favourite venue of them all, Pez, SBS Stadium. This will be a really, really cracker of a game. Uh, Fremantle, uh, their skill levels were really um, disappointing last week against Melbourne. They've got a lot of injuries and they've been hit with the injury uh, bug a little bit more. GWS Giants probably should have got the job done against those, uh, those Saints of yours, Pez, in that last quarter, had some opportunities to put the game away how will they respond can they take it to Fremantle at minus one and a half really surprised that Frio are starting favourites here yeah it's um, just with Frio's injury list if, if this was a full strength Fremantle yeah different story oh, I'd, I'd definitely say it's a different story but um, GWS they're going to be dirty off that week they're going to be sore from the, from the game before but they've just got so much talent you've got you always talk about it but GWS Harry Himmelberg actually looked really good in front of goal except for that one that he missed that he could have sealed it uh, for the Giants last week. But their midfield can win the ball. Callum Ward, he, he's still going. He, you can't tackle that bloke. Nathan Fife, we saw, against the Melbourne side, who was pretty depleted. Couldn't do it by himself. Yes, he took some good grabs uh, in the forward half of the ground, got the ball up forward, but they don't have... They've only got Tabiner up there at the moment. They don't have that second person to come in and, and really help out. So Walters, I don't think he'll make it back. I don't think they strengthen their forward line much Fremantle. And they are going back home, but I'm going to back the Giants to, to travel. I think this is what they might need. 
to travel over together, uh, the young side, and and sort something out and go, you know what, last week was not acceptable. If we're actually seen as a finals team, I know they did this a lot last year, but I'm hoping they can turn that around just for this game. Uh, plus one and a half, I have to take the Giants here. Yeah, I think that's the smart um, the smart play here. Uh, Fremantle, as you said, the injuries. You know, you also had Alex Alex Pierce and Joel Hamley, who who were not going to make it for round two. Really disappointing for Alex Pierce. He's devastating. Was, was seven seven years in the system, and he's played like sixty games. The poor bloke. And it was, when, when there was a gap of six hundred and something. Yeah, games before, that, that's uh. that's incredible. Um, you know, and the, the thing that I like about the Giants is there's a big possibility uh, our man Brent Daniels could make it back. So that's a guaranteed win, surely, isn't it? <laughs> what are you talking about, Sauce? Come on, mate. <laughs> no, nah, sorry. It was a little bit of a private joke there. I think that uh, that superstar talent, we we here at the pod, Pez, we continually back that talent. Oh, no. Need to see it. I, I think that they, for me, I think if they can't get this job done against a depleted Fremantle in an away trip when they're meant to bond together and they're meant to start playing for, for you know, for each other, then for me, I'm not going to go for the goal uh, for GWS for the for the rest of the season, and I'm going to throw my ladder out because <laughs> I've got a, I've got them finishing in the eight, and I think that this is a win that they need to do to come back home confident, have one under the belt, and, and this is a this is a danger game for most clubs. Fremantle in Fremantle, if you can get them early in the season with not enough uh, with not a full strength side, you got to take it, take that opportunity. Giants for me in a um, in a surprisingly close one. Yeah, well, the big the big name. Toby Green, I think they've also got Flynn who, in their ruck who impressed last week, but th- this is the talent we're talking about. Hopper, Taranto, Cali, Ward, Canilio. We, we say it every week, and that's not even that's not even the, like all of them, Piers. You look at that, you know, some people at back, like you've got Keith, Haynes, Perryman, Phil Davis is making his return as well. Like, You know Nick <sighs> Haynes is one of my favourite players to oh, watch, but I hated him last week against St Kilda. He was everywhere what, just what, marking the ball. What has happened to him? From last year's form to the year before, when then that premiership year, he was running the ball, he was kicking efficiently. Now all he seems to do is intercept Mark. They're not having that run through him, and, and he's just he's making good decisions, but he was known for, for starting that quarterback sort of role, and, and I'd like to see him get back to that because when they are up and about and he's running, streaming off that half-back line, they're at their best and they're hard to stop. They are. They're just, they've got to find that bit of heart and a bit of... Bit of fight about him, a bit of see next Tuesday about him. So, um, <laughs> I like that. I like that. You like that? That's what they need. And I don't know if it's they need a coaching change or they need something. They just need that little firecracker to, to get them started. And um, I still don't rate, I don't think they make the finals this year, but I think they can defeat this depleted Fremantle side. And uh, that rounds out round two. I'm looking so forward to it, sourced by, by seeing every single game this weekend. Yeah, before we move on from that, Pez, one thing that I did notice, and make sure you jump on to our, our good sponsors, uh, Amazon Prime, and see the documentary of the of the AFL that they've put on there. One thing I did notice that, that really sort of brought some alarm bells for me is I know we talk about Leon Cameron and whether he's, you know, they need a new coach. Some of the stuff he was saying in some of those games and the way he was calling out players and the way that he was back, you know, really getting into them. If you, I actually said to my old man when I was watching it, I said, if you can't get yourself up for what he was saying and what he was throwing into that press conference and into that, those rooms, then there's a big issue. And, and, and that seems to be, if he's still leaving that same sort of message every week, maybe it is time for a change because that gave a real insight to, to how brutal and how harsh he was. And they kept putting this emotional sort of, you know, baggage along with it. And they made everyone accountable. And it, 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 you go and watch it and, you, and if, it have that sort of, you know, reflection about are they playing for him? And if, if you can't get yourself up for some of those things, well, then this needs to make a change and they're not going to get rid of uh, 10 superstars. 
<laughs> You're definitely not. But they have been, got rid of a lot of superstars over the last few they years. They haven't got rid of They've lost. <laughs> they've, they've lost them, definitely. So round two looks like a big one. So many tough games. I think tough, there's tough five games. ones that could, you know, you could pick either way. Um, so best of luck to all the uh, tipsters out there. Good luck with your lines. Try and pick your line. See if you can uh, send, them, send them across that behind the bounce. See if you can compete with uh, – easy to compete with Source. bit harder to compete with me. Oh, but well, we've only got two different this week, Piz. So uh, <laughs> you're in trouble then. <laughs> two different? You might uh, be able to take the lead because I lead 5-4 so far oh, from the first round. Flogged. But um, <laughs> anyway, that's it. That's round two. I look forward to the recap show and we'll go from there. I've been Piz. Peace out. I'm still Source. We'll catch up next time, guys.